Welcome to our guests today. We are excited that you are here and, and a part of us today and hope that you'll feel very much part of our family this morning. One of the things we like to do here at Community Baptist is spend a moment of greeting one another. So let me invite you to stand up and turn around and shake the hands of the people around you and extend the love of Christ. Thank you so much. It's, <clears throat> it is so wonderful to, to have the fellowship of Christ and to show the love of Christ to one another, and we, we appreciate you doing that. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention today. Uh, first of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. Those are the sheets of, the pa of paper on the clipboards on each aisle. We'd like to ask if everyone would take that and pass it down so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And especially if you would like to be on our uh, email newsletter that goes out every Thursday morning, uh, if you would put your email address on there, we'll make sure you get on our email newsletter so that you can keep up with some of the activities that are going on here at Community Baptist. Also, uh, let me thank everyone who was here yesterday for our work day. Um, Everything looks wonderful. We thank you for volunteering your time and, and, uh, and putting in your effort to uh, spruce up our church, and we certainly appreciate all the work that you have done for us. Tomorrow, the uh, uh, Women's Mission Group will be meeting tomorrow evening, and that's at 6.30, and that will be at the home of Nora Hobson, and uh, we invite the ladies of our church to be there uh, tomorrow evening. And you'll also notice in your worship folder, there are a couple of fun activities that we have coming up. Uh, we're planning a rafting trip on Memorial Day. And what we'll do is we'll leave right after church on that, uh, that Sunday uh, and go over to uh, West Virginia. We'll be rafting the New River. And, um, and we'll go right after church. And then on uh, Monday, we'll be doing the rafting and come back that night. And folks, I want to tell you what, this will be a lot of fun. I went rafting uh, this weekend, as a matter of fact. Uh, Friday, I was rafting on the Chattooga River uh, down in Georgia and with some friends of mine and had a great time. And uh, I guess that's something that we river rats love to do. So uh, yeah, there's a sign-up sheet over here if you would like to become a river rat. And we might even work up a baptism service. I don't know. Um, but we also have a baseball game, and there's a sign-up sheet over here for that as well. That'll be in July as we go see the, um, the Cards play the uh, Padres, and if you'd like to go to that, uh, we invite you to sign up for that. One other announcement I called to your attention today, and that is that today is a special day, or this week is a special week, because this week marks an anniversary. Um, Larry Haltom has been on staff here for eight years, and so we want to thank you for that. <laughs> thank you, Larry, for all the service that you have given to us through the years, and we certainly, certainly appreciate your ministry. Our scripture reading for today comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, 
beginning with verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to Christ, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever is faithful to Christ will not be put to shame. To you then who are faithful, Christ is precious. But for those who are not faithful, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Christ who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is the word of God for you and for me. Let us pray together. Come, O risen Christ, come among us today, for we long to know your will and to grow in your likeness. You have called us your spiritual house, the place where you dwell. We are your holy priesthood through whom you minister. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to you, both in this place and in the world in which we live. Give us a vision of all that you are. Give us a vision of all that you are preparing for us. And find us faithfully doing the work of your people in this place and in this world. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
and girls, we want you to come on down here. We have something a little different today. And Brother Herb is going to be guiding you into that. And he's going to be right here. And y'all can come over, sit down in the floor in front of these chairs if you wish. Or you can sit on the front row if you wish, whichever you want to do. And I think we'll be in good shape. You certainly might. Uh, we're going to talk about Philippians 4. And Philippians 4, 12 and 13 says, I know what it is, what it is to have not enough stuff, and I know what it is to have plenty of stuff. I have learned the secret of being content in each and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, you all see we have two visitors here. There's the one. And this is my wife, Ann. If you all would, please say, good morning, Ann. Good morning, Ann. Thank you. Now, what does the word content mean? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary, and it's best described as two words. Content means happy and satisfied. It doesn't mean satisfied alone. It doesn't mean happy alone. It means happy and unsatisfied, and satisfied, happy and satisfied. Now, so often we think about what we don't have and cry about it, it rather than what we do have and be thankful for it, don't we? Hey, kids, now let me ask you something. Have you ever wanted something and your parents not give it to you? And you say, yeah. Or have, have your parents given you something you say, no, I didn't want that, I wanted this. You never did that? Well, gosh, you are a sterling child, because I used to do that about once a week when I was growing up. Because I didn't know what the word content meant. I didn't know about being happy and satisfied. Now then, we've got a little dog here, her name is Pepper. How many front legs does she have? No, she doesn't either. No, for how many front legs does she have? Just one. What? Look. How's your other? Well, what happened to the other? Well, now then, look at her right back leg. See how it's shaved there? Well, she was in a car wreck. She used to have all four of her legs. And now she's missing a front leg because it had to be amputated. And her right rear leg, they had to cut off the part of the bone, the very top of the bone, and it's ultimately, oh, she's a good dog, isn't she? And ultimately, she'll, she'll have probably 75% use of it. So we call her, she's our two-and-a-half-legged dog. Now, does, does, she seem, does she seem happy? Oh, yes, she does. Doesn't, are you happy, Pepper? Are you happy? Oh, yeah, I'm being petted. I'm really happy. And she walks all the time, and she runs with the other dogs in the backyard. And uh, she says, I think somewhere in the back of her mind, she said, you know, I used to have four good legs until that car hit me. But, you know, I've only got two and a half good legs, but I'm pretty happy, and I'm satisfied, and I got people who love me, and I'm being petted. And I don't know if, I don't think she can read, although she's pretty smart. But I think that she must have, maybe internalized, God may have talked to her and said about Philippians 4, 12 and 13. And I think Pepper has learned to be content in all things. 
and be happy and satisfied. And I think that we need to be that way too. God has given us so, so very much. And let's just remember that. Thank you all. Oh, I got something for you. Here we go. A treat for each one of you all. And then you all can go back to your seats. And you can give Pepper one last pet. Isn't she happy? Okay, here we go. I'm sorry. Just one. Take just one. Yeah, just be content with just one, okay? <laughs> this week is deadline for passport kids, and we have to take everybody, make sure our numbers are correct, because we lose all our deposits before we do this on Thursday. So if there's any questions about you have about passport kids or anything like that, make sure you get that in, because we need to fix that. We want, boys and girls, remember we got second grade and below may go to Children's Church, which happens right before our offering. And uh, we would love to have you back there with us, or you can stay out here with parents if you prefer, but we know that's available for you. Let's stand as we sit, continue singing. Father, thank you for a good day. Thank you for good health. 
Thank you for great friends and for a wonderful church. We are here to worship today. One way that we do worship is through giving our talents and also through giving of our wealth. And we pray that you will bless each giver here today, whether it be through talent or through their monies. In Christ's name, amen.
Wasn't that nice? Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, let's see here. I'm getting up into the pulpit a little early today. I guess I'm just going to have to preach longer. <laughs> uh, before I get into the sermon, though, I, I need to make a couple, of, a couple of things. One, I forgot to make an announcement a minute ago, and that is that our senior day will not be this coming week as we had originally planned. It will be the, follow, uh, the following week, right? The, the Mother's Day weekend. So that's when we'll be having our senior recognition day uh, on Mother's Day uh, weekend. Um, and another thing, you know, it's just great when God pulls things together. Then things just kind of are not in our hands, even though we think they are. And uh, that happened today because I want to that Herb and I did not confer with one another about his children's sermon today. Now, with that in mind, let me uh, proceed with the sermon. There's an old story about a small church way out in the country that needed a pastor to fill in for a while. And so they contacted a nearby seminary. And the seminary sent over a student who had never been outside of the city before, and so he was not accustomed to the ways of country life. And when he arrived at church, this young preacher was shocked to see an old hound dog seated on the second row right next to the chairman of the deacons. We didn't plan this, folks. <laughs> 
Well, the chairman of the deacons was a crotchety old man who had a reputation for running off young student pastors. Well, in a heat of righteous indignation, this young preacher headed straight towards that dog and he yelled at the dog and drove it right out of the church. Well, this startled the congregation a little bit and they held their breath as they waited to see what this crotchety old deacon would do, but nothing happened. And then after the sermon was over, everybody quickly scooted out the side door and waited for the older man to come outside. And, and when he graciously greeted the young pastor at the front door, everybody was taken aback. They had never seen him be that courteous to a student pastor before. In fact, the old deacon extended his hand and said, I want to thank you for kicking my dog out of church today. Well, the young pastor was also shocked and he said, you want, you want to thank me? And the old man said, yep, I wouldn't have had my dog hear that sermon for nothing. <laughs> Herb, your dog is welcome here anytime. <laughs> you know, churches can be funny places sometimes, can't they? And sometimes things happen in churches that aren't so funny. In fact, sometimes they're downright tragic. The fact is that churches can be a disappointment to God. Some of our folks may remember a radio program a while back called the Back to God Hour. Anybody ever listen to that? You remember that? The Back to God Hour. And in one city, the Back to God Hour was broadcast in the time slot immediately after the weekly broadcast of a local congregation. And the pastor of that congregation laments that every week at the end of his church's broadcast, the announcer would come on the radio and say, you have been listening to the worship services of Chalmers United Church. Now, back to God. <laughs> now, I don't want to sound judgmental or anything like that, but that could probably be said for a lot of church services these days. After they're over, now, back to God. The fact is, and the church does not always measure up to God's call for us. And that's truly unfortunate. I read about a man named Bruce who journeyed to Rwanda in a short term, uh, as a short-term missionary. And he worked for several weeks doing refugee work there. But one day as he was traveling along the road with his driver named Winston, his Jeep made a sudden stop by a large field that had recently been bulldozed. And as Winston got out of the car, out of the Jeep, he asked Bruce to come with him. And they walked over to the edge of the field and they stood silently and quietly for, for quite a while. And, and as Bruce studied the field, it, it soon became apparent that this was not just an ordinary field. It was a mass grave for hundreds of people who had been slain in the nightmare of tribal violence. Winston stared out at this open field and quietly said with tears in his eyes, this is the place where I learned to hate God. I would often come to this place and stand and look out over the hundreds of bodies 
the bodies of my people, the bodies of my friends and my family. And I would stand here and I would scream out at God saying, why? Why have you not done anything to prevent this? Why have you abandoned us? And for many, many weeks, God remained silent. But as I stood here day after day, hating God, this is also the place where I again learned to love God. For one day as I stood here cursing God, God answered me and God said, Winston, I never abandoned you. I was here all along suffering with you. And on that day, Winston continued, I realized that I had directed my question to the wrong person. My question should not have been put to God. Instead, my question should have been put to the church. Why do you not do something? And it is true, isn't it? There are many times when the church, all throughout history, many times when the church has remained silent in the face of unspeakable evil. And I am certain that there have been many times in our history when the world has directed that question to us, why do you not do something? Now don't get me wrong. I love the church of Jesus Christ. And I believe in the church of Jesus Christ. But folks, let's just face it. We are not having the impact on the world that Christ has called us to have. And it may be because we have not understood who we are or what, call, what Christ has called us to be. Listen to these words from today's lesson from 1 Peter. And as we listen to these words, ask ourselves, what is it that you believe Christ is asking of us? What is Christ asking of us from, from these words from 1 Peter? As he says to us, but you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into God's wonderful light. Who are we? We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Folks, I'm convinced that there are a lot of people who don't understand who we are and what we are about. And there are a lot of people, even Christians, who look at the church as a as a chapel or a temple or a shrine, even God help us as a museum perhaps. In other words, a lot of people, to a lot of people, the church is a place where we go to pay homage to God. And some people go there every week and some people go there every month and some people come twice a year or whatever. And once they've come, once they've done that, they feel that they've fulfilled their religious obligation and they're good to go until the next time they come to church to pay homage to God. And these are nice people. They're, these are good church-going folks, as they say. 
but unfortunately they don't have a clue as to what it means to be the church. Because you see, the church is not a place where we go. No. The church is who we are. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. My friends, this building is not a church. It's pretty obvious since we have basketball goals in here. It's a gym. (laughs) But it happens to be the place where our church meets. It's not the church. We are the church. We are the church. And when we leave this building, we're still doesn't matter that we're not here. When we leave here, we're still the church. And so when we go to the Rotary Club or to the Lions Club or to the the club at school, whatever you're a member of, we're still the church. And when we go out to dinner with our family and with our friends and and when we go out and and, uh, play on the soccer field and the baseball field and the volleyball court and, and when we're working at the office and when we're fulfilling our uh, civic responsibility and casting our ballot on election day, we are still the church. And if we do any of these things with no thought to God, then we are betraying our calling as a follower of Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, you are the church. Somewhere around 125 A.D., the philosopher Aristides described the early Christian community to Roman Emperor Hadrian, and this is what he had to say. He said they love one another. They never fail to help the widows. They save orphans from those who hurt them. If they have something, they freely give it to the person who has nothing. And if they see a stranger, they take him home as a brother or a sister in the spirit, the spirit of God. Well, my friends, that is who we are, or at least that's who we have been called to be. So you see, the church is not a place where you go. The church is is who we are. But unfortunately, I'm afraid that there are a lot of folks who are confused about who we are and what we're supposed to do. And so I believe it would be helpful for us to think of ourselves as priests. I mean, after all, after all the, the priesthood of all believers is the bedrock upon which the, the Protestant faith is based. But I'm afraid that it's a doctrine that has nearly been forgotten by many people today. Now, when I say that we need to think of ourselves as priests, I don't mean that in a religious way in the sense of serving the sacraments or hearing confession or anything like that. What I mean is that we have all been called to represent God. We, are all, we have all been called to be representatives of God, just like priests represent God before the people. And that's why when someone joins the church, that's why every time someone does that, I say to them, we are all ministers of Christ here because that's what we're called to be everyone. And so we look forward to your ministry to us and ours to you. 
we're all ministers to Christ. We are all priests. And I think a good place for us to begin to think of ourselves as priests is to be priests to one another. Folks, Christian believers have a responsibility to one another. And the New Testament is very clear about that. We are to care for one another and we are to take care of one another. And it doesn't matter whether we necessarily agree with one another or not. We have responsibilities towards one another. Dr. Jim Stanford is a prominent pastor in San Diego, and he tells about his father, who was a devoted churchman. Uh, his father loved the church, but he was also probably kind of like that cantankerous old deacon I talked about earlier. He was a frequent and a severe critic of those whom he disagreed with uh, on church-related issues. Standerford recalls many times when his father would literally chew out the administrative board of his home church. And, and it seems that his father could be a rather difficult man from time to time. But then his father's mother died, Standerford's grandmother. And Dr. Standerford's grandmother was one of the, the matriarchs of the congregation. As a matter of fact, she was affectionately known as Mother Standerford. But at the end of her funeral service, as Standerford's dad was beginning to walk down the, the aisle behind his mother's casket, he collapsed. And then two of the very persons that he had recently so publicly criticized came to his side and lifted him up and helped him down the aisle, one on each side, supporting him, holding him up. And in that moment, as a junior in high school, the younger Sanderford saw the church in a whole new light. And suddenly he understood what the church was. Those two men's demonstration of love for his father became Jim Sanderford's call to the ministry. So who are we? We are priests. To one another. Regardless of whether we see eye to eye on everything, we have a responsibility for one another, and that is very, very important. There's a Zulu proverb that goes like this When a thorn pierces the foot, the whole body bends over to pull it out. And in the same way, when one person in the community of faith experiences pain, the rest of the community shares its strength with that person in order to ease their pain. Because that's who we are. We are priests to one another. But that's not all that we are. We, because you see, we, we are not to limit our priestly duties only to one another within the body of Christ, within the church. We are also called to be priests to the world. In other words, we are God's representatives to our neighbors, to our friends, to our co-workers, to the whole world for whom Christ died. A leader at a church conference told about his young son who came home from school one day with something that he wanted to show his mom. He said, Mom, we're studying about dinosaurs. Look at what I have. And, and he showed her a picture of this gigantic dinosaur towering over a two-story house. And then he asked his mother a very difficult question. He said, when did we kill off all the dinosaurs so that it would be safe for houses to be built and, and for kids to play outside? 
Well, his mother replied, we, we didn't kill off the dinosaurs, and we don't know exactly how they became extinct. Many scientists believe that there was a, it was a result of an ice age when the plants that the dinosaurs ate were frozen and the dinosaurs starved to death. Others have suggested that it was a giant meteor, meteorite that caused a great change in the temperature and the dinosaurs could not adapt and, and survive in the cold. Nonetheless, explained the mother, it was the result of a tremendous climate change that, that human, human beings were able to build cities and children were able to play outside. It was not the result of some successful hunting campaign. Then the leader of this conference went on to suggest that in a similar way, the task of the church is not necessarily to go out there and to slay all the giant dragons as many are wont to do, but rather it is to change the climate so that the gospel of Jesus Christ may flourish. And I think that's a great metaphor. I think the purpose of the church is to change the spiritual and social and moral and political climate of our world so that the kingdoms of the world will bear a more striking resemblance to the kingdom of God. And we do that by our ministry to individual persons in need. And we do that by the witness of our lives to this world. So you see, the church is not a place where we go. Church is who we are. And we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And so we are to be priests to one another and we are to be priests to the world and we are to, we are to have a strong sense of God's presence in our lives because we are a people belonging to God. Author Jane Smiley in her novel, uh, A Thousand Acres, describes a condition of many people who bear the name of Christian. She tells about a highly dysfunctional family and they had a lot of problems and yet still they were very faithful in their attendance at church all, each and every week. And here's how the, the novel's narrator sums up their religious commitment. He says, we came to church to pay our respects, not to give thanks. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of people regard the church. They come to pay their respects, but they have no real consciousness that God is alive in our world. They come to pay their respects, but not to give thanks. And, and it grieves me that so many go to church week after week and feel that way. It's no wonder that the church has no more impact on our world than it does. We need to show the world who we are. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. A few weeks after he was elected president of the United States, President Ronald Reagan shared with the nation a letter that he received from an elementary school child somewhere in Iowa. This is what the child wrote. He said, Dear Mr. President, you have now been elected president of the United States. Now go to the Oval Office and get to work. <laughs> My friends, it's time for the Church of Jesus Christ, this royal priesthood called by God to represent God in the world, 
to get to work. It's time for us, we know who we are, to get to work so that the world will know exactly what it is to be a follower of Christ. So do you know who you are today? It's a lot to live up to. We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And now that you know who you are, let's get to work fulfilling God's kingdom through us. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. It's number 401, Break Out, O Church of God. There may be someone here today who feels led to make a response in some way to God's Holy Spirit stirring in your life today. There may be some who need to make a commitment to Jesus Christ for the first time, and we invite you to do that. There may be those who are looking for a church home to be a part of and to unite with, and we invite you to do that. As God is dealing in your heart, as the Spirit of God is moving in you, we invite you to make that commitment that God is calling you to make. And we invite you to do that as we sing number 401, Break Out, O Church of God. As we go from here, recognize that you are God's chosen people. You are God's royal priesthood. You are God's holy nation, God's very own people. And so let us go proclaiming the mighty acts of Christ who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Let us go in the new hope and in the abundant life that God has given to us both here and in the life to come. Let us go boldly and be God's people. Amen.